Hey everybody, welcome to Beyond the Norm. Uh, this is Norm Lavalette, and this is where we talk about all things business and entertainment and comedy and improv and those things uh, on this on this podcast. Uh, pop, did I say podcast? Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's a new. No, let's trademark that. <laughs> uh, it's a new thing. It's mine. Uh, you can't have it. Uh, so, so we talk about things. A lot of times, I, I start off uh, with kind of the three things that I, I loosely kind of evaluate what I'm doing with my life or with business to 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 decide if I'm going to do something or not, which is um, it's going to make me money or potentially make me money uh, or the company money. I say me, but the company, uh, uh, I have to love it uh, if I love doing it. If you love doing it, it's worth doing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's fine uh, as long as it doesn't hurt yourself or other people. That's yeah. the message I give to my children. <laughs> you can do whatever you want as long as it's not harmful to yourself or other people. After yeah. that, by and large, you can do it. Uh, or intellectually curious, which is... How the hell are you going to know if you love something or how the hell are you going to know if it's going to make money if you don't at least for, you know, run down what maybe many a times will be a, a blind or closed uh, avenue. But if it's curious, you should explore it. So those are kind of things. So um, making money uh, or, or, or the business end of things, what I'm one of the things I'm looking at pretty heavily for 19 uh this will interest you. Not, not that it won't interest you, Ari. <laughs> I, I, it, yeah. I mean, it'll interest you, Ari. I, you I, I'm know, sure I don't, I don't know. Why should I exclude Ari? I think that's very rude. That's, that's like having a dinner party and going, like, you're going to love these canapes. Not for you, Ari. <laughs> okay. I don't need it's very rude, Joey. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. Well, yeah, why right. am I being so rude? I, I think you'll both love this. Oh, uh, or be interested in it. Anyways, but... Uh, uh, I feel like, I feel like, so we did a show, we did a show, what, about a year back? Last summer. Uh, uh, last summer. Oh, I guess you know where we're going, huh, Ari? Uh, huh? I'll cut that out. That's Jesus, Ari. We're trying to, do you want to just, we're trying to pretend that this thing isn't scripted. It, it is a surprise to me, so I really don't know uh, where we're going. Uh, this whole show has been scripted right, well, to within an inch of its life. Uh, my letter, since, here's my letter of resignation. Oh my God, go. Ari. <laughs> We did a show uh, last summer, as uh, Ari so, you know, uh, succinctly pointed out, uh, called High Hamlet. Yes. And uh, I actually thought... Last summer. Yeah. It was last summer, right? And I thought there was some really good stuff with that show. Oh, that... I thought the closer... The closer is one that I've been wanting to to shoot shoot and write up. I'm like, this is a great closer. Yeah. I thought there was a lot to like about it. Uh, 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 I feel like, though, we came out a year too early with that show. Because with the legalization of marijuana, yeah. I, I think it really changes, uh, I think, just the whole interest in something like that, mm-hmm. potentially. Now, I think you're capitalizing it uh, on it to a degree with Lit Night, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, so, and so as I look at it, as I look at it, and it's, you know, it's not necessarily just about, well, how do you do another intoxicated show? Where yeah. we know intoxicated shows can be successful from Drunk History on... Yeah. Comedy Central to Shitface Shakespeare to yeah. all the different things, right? Um, but the next logical thing for me has always been, well, marijuana, right? Yeah. How do you how do you incorporate that? And now that it's legal, mm. I'm very interested in kind of revisiting High Hamlet, um, and kind of that that piece specifically, uh, and then and uh, some things you know built in that world. I mean, it was I subbed in as Hamlet a couple times, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was very fun, very forgiving, you know. As somebody who's intimate with that stuff with Lit Night, there's an there's this interesting element of you are automatically the audience is is usually automatically on your side mm-hmm. because you're impaired and be, so they don't want to see anything bad happen to you. But when it does, if it's mitigated, like I remember coming out for High Hamlet and then going like looking over to the other actors going. What part is this? And then them going, the part. <laughs> and then the audience is kind of going like, what's going on? Because it's all happening in front of them. And then I just start going into to be or not to be. It's like, it's the whole thing right. yeah. about this. And I forgot it. And I think it really, that show specifically endeared me to the audience like that. Well, and it's it's the, it's the uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McGraw talks about it, right? We, we had... Uh, Peter uh, on the podcast, right? Uh, he wrote the humor code, mm-hmm. and and he talks about it. His his benign uh, his theory of humor, which is benign violations, oh. w- which which is essentially there needs to be a violation, right? Okay. A violation is if you trip, that's a violation. Yes. If you don't get hurt, 
it's benign, ah, so okay. it's funny. Yeah. If you trip, fall on your face, totally shatter shatter your your orbital bones and get brain damage. Yeah. Not as funny anymore. Yeah. Because no. it's not a benign violation. Yeah. And and he talks a lot about that, which is when a joke is accepted and when a joke can go too far. Far and and a benign the the benignness is culturally uh bound right yeah. which is benign violation of a joke in an office setting is accepted a benign violation in a comedy club your threshold is much higher on what that violation yeah the the you know the benign violation is yeah. uh, so when you look at something like that they're rooting for you they there's a benign violation going on right yeah you're high you're yeah. impaired yeah but they're rooting for you they want you to screw up and they don't want you to screw up so hard that it ruins everything. Exactly. Yeah. You you are you're you're on a fine line of like, and I feel like with comedy, with improv specifically, and then adding the layer of the highness, it, it winds or, con, or 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 contracts that tightrope that you're on. So I feel like the high widens the tightrope, so it's it's easier to walk. But then with the, I feel like with comedy and with improv, it narrows it because they're kind of going there for it to be funny. And then the threshold of like, well, I'm going to make this big leap. Oh, shoot. I shouldn't have made that leap. You know what I mean? I just sure. lost him. Okay, now i got to get him back. Okay, okay. Well, and, you know, that that's what, what is fun about those shows. Uh, and so I think I'm, I'm going to look at that in 19 about maybe bringing that show back. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it needs some tweaking. Uh, I, I always liked, I always really liked the, the, the second two thirds. Yeah. I felt like, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like the, it, the front end needs to be revamped. Is that essentially before the Hamlet is is introduced? I, I think it's yeah. I think it's the introduction yeah. and, and 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 that was the, like the heavy like actual play part of it. The play, the exposition, uh, you know. And again, I think the creators, you know, the uh, the director of it did a very good job. The director of it uh, was a the, you know Shakespearean director. Yeah. Whereas, you know, our people just want more funny. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a knock on any anybody, and I just think the front end can deliver that a little bit better. And, yeah. and, and I also think the other big, big thing about it is uh, I, I'll want to play that at Improv Asylum. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we've done a lot of different things at, at Laugh, and, and what we know is that these kind of shows just play so differently when you're in the theater. If I, if I remember correctly, the previews for High Hamlet I, I feel like those had the biggest audiences. It was a full house. Full, full house and just electric. Sure. Just, just, and, and it just, I think it's part of, because like you said, we know what plays well there, but also there's just that level of like, again, you're high. It's, there's improv parts. How do we get you out of your head? We put you in where you're most comfortable. Well, I, I felt the same the same thing, and and, and let me say this: yeah. it went really well. Oh, no, no, it, like, it, like, trust me, it, it, yeah, it went yeah, great. The yeah. audiences loved it. I felt the same thing. Do you remember? Because you were part of this, uh, you're not you're not going to be a part of this conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, but I felt the same thing was when we previewed uh, Trump takes on Boston. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it went great at laugh. Yeah, yeah. But man, when we previewed it at Improv Slam, you're like, ooh. Damn, this is something. Because it's You're right just there. the right on time. Yeah. I mean, my aunt and my grandmother were there. And my aunt, you know, infamously or famously gets up and starts dancing. And I have to be like, all right, my real aunt, <laughs> sit down, please. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, you know, I think I think that's where I'll be focusing some of those things. But uh, but I'm going to be looking at that again because I think and, – and with the legalization of, of marijuana, the conversation yeah. is much more open. Uh, I think you could possibly do some fun things that can incorporate that stuff now that the audience can participate in a way that maybe they couldn't have before. Yeah, I mean, right? I think we're in that, we're in the Wild West in terms of like, what, and this happened last lit night, we were like, what is legal, what can we do on stage, what can't we do on stage? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and, and that's, you know, things that I, I'm going to be looking at and I'm going to be having my attorneys and lawyers look at everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, so ultimately on a wide blanket is we can't sell it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. You know. I mean, that's illegal. Yeah. Um. But you can consume it. Yeah. You know, and so there's you know different things that that I, I just think it's it just feels more right now. 
Yeah. You know, I think we're just a little early on that. So, so I have that coming up. So that's uh, business wise. We're going to be looking at that. And, and, and that's part and parcel of the whole conversation of the programming for 19 uh, here and in New York and and stuff like that. Because I think you can do that in New York too. Oh, Um, yeah. It'd be great. Uh, And then, uh, so there's uh, the love. Uh, I've, I've become obsessed with Ozark. Oh. Did you watch that show? Uh, Siobhan and I are like, like we're first season. Like they got to the Ozarks and they've been there for a couple, but we were like halfway through. Yeah, it's very good. I started watching it literally, I think like a week ago and oh. I was like, I'm through. Uh, <laughs> you and, totally and, binged and, it. And, and, and part of the reason I did binge it and part of the reason I started watching it is in New York and in Providence, New York. Yeah. There's a sketch. It closes the first act called Ozark. Oh, okay. And the basic setup is a couple is talking about one couple. They both started watching Ozark. It comes to pass that the other person ended up binge watching and finishing it. Uh, And the other person's mad. But then that spirals into essentially what I would call, you know, in a genre sense, into a soap opera type of of scene, which then spins again. And it has a really great ending with Ashley Elmy. uh, having her water burst on stage from being <laughs> pregnant, and so she has a she has a water, uh, you know, a water balloon in yeah. her in her in her costume, or uh, and she and they, they, everybody's screaming and fighting, and she, well, it's a misdirect, right? Everybody's oh, fighting over here, which gives her time to get the pin, and then poosh, and her oh water breaks gosh. on stage. It's outrageous. That's um, great. It's really great. So, but it's all about Ozark. So I'm like, I should probably watch that show. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so there's that, and then intellectually curious. We're just saying to Ari, so see, I do include you, Ari. <laughs> I'm welcome back now. Yes. Welcome right. back in. Uh, uh, I was saying that I was just recently uh, in Key West, uh, and uh, have you, you know, and went and checked out the Hemingway House. Oh yeah, uh, and and I mean that's the way to do it, man. God, what a you know, shotgun. Yes, just take the shotgun and end it all. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> that's what I'm, and I'm like, there it is, finally. Yeah, yeah. I know how I'm gonna do it. It's so great. Um, but you know, to be in the keys and just write and, oh man, what, what, what a, what a dream. And of course, because, uh, how I am or how a lot of us are, uh, is I'm like, okay, well now I need to know everything I can possibly know about Hemingway. Yeah. So yeah. like all I've been doing, I, you know, I just downloaded a Hemingway biography okay, on yeah. Audible yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like Hemingway, Hemingway, Hemingway. I want to know every single last thing about it, yeah. you know, like, cause I, I tend to, once I want to know something about something, I want to know it all. Yeah. You know, uh, and so my intellectual curiosity is currently Hemingway. Yeah. So uh, so within that, I, I, I wanted to, you know, we don't have a guest today because while I love having guests, yeah. uh, I also feel like, you know, there's a lot to be learned even from, I, I think a lot of ways you guys are the voice of maybe a lot of people who listen to this, which is mm-hmm. like, well, those kind of questions. And, and, and part of the concept of even doing this is, to be able to answer questions that other people think about that I don't always know. And so yeah. I know we talked about it at the front end, but you guys might have a couple questions or thoughts or like, why does this happen? Or what I got happened? one. Uh, I don't think we've talked about it. Where did ass soup come from? Mm-hmm. Ass soup. No context. So, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. Well, for, first of a couple things, right? For, first off, what ass soup is, yeah. is... Uh, when the cast right before the cast that improv asylum goes out on stage you know you get in the circle and you you know you give your words of we're gonna go and we're gonna do this and it's gonna be great and we, and we do that every cast has some kind of thing or whatever and then everybody puts their hands in and all together they say ass soup and then they go out on stage yeah. um it started uh, it started with the original original main stage cast so yeah. that that original generation and like most of all this stuff, it's all nonsense. Yeah. It's stupid. doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that it was almost like, I could be getting this totally wrong, but it might even come from playing like an electric company and somebody liked the idea of ass, soup, ass, soup. And everybody just kept saying that and, and just, that just stuck. And then I think in Matt Catanzano's generation, they added in the hello uh, <laughs> with the improv phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. As uh, I think it was as their way, it was like the Catanzanos and and Kaufmans and and uh, I think Dooley was in that generation as their as their silent protest to sticking it to the man and changing up from the old guard, yeah. uh, which is fine. Uh, but but when I like that, right? Because I'm like, hey, now everybody's I do it too. Oh yeah, I like it. Um, but that's a really good example of tradition, where tradition 
has no and should have no effect on the product. Yes. Right? You know, because when you try to create, when you have something, it becomes so easy to get into that vein of like, well, this is how we always do it. Yeah. Well, this is how it's done. Yeah. It's tradition. Yeah. We traditionally do this piece. We traditionally do it this way. We traditionally, blah, blah, blah. But that has impact. Yeah. And invariably, time goes by and and it doesn't make sense to do something necessarily exactly the same way. Does that mean traditions aren't important? They don't matter? They do. They mm -hmm. are. They can be important if they have no tangible context on the actual outcome of anything. Yeah. Right. And so ass soup is a lovely tradition. And it's even been said, like, do we need to keep saying it? I'm like, well, it is a nice tradition to have a, a line all the way back 20 years to the original cast. But it has absolutely no effect on what we're doing on the stage or how the business is operating. It's when you get so stuck in tradition that that the show is suffering or the yeah. business is suffering. Yeah. Because, well, traditionally, that's how we do things. We well, no, that's not a tradition. That's just a stupid way of operating. I, I find it, it's almost like the tradition, that tradition has positively affected the shows because it makes sure everybody comes together. It makes sure we're all like, okay, we're missing somebody because they went to the bathroom, they're changing. So we, we are right before we're all coming together. We're all getting on the same page. And if anything, it's, we still do that. But now for certain days, for certain shows, we have a different song or dance or something that we do before, mm -hmm. and then it ends with that. But it's always the same idea of like, we're coming together, we're doing something, sure. then we're going out and doing it. So, And what's really nice about it as well, when you have those kind of traditions, which do not affect the product. Yes. That, that is what I always go back to. It, it, it shouldn't be affecting the product. Yeah. Right? Um, but when you have those kind of traditions, what's really nice is they are meaningful. And so invariably in places like this, alumni come back, people jump in the show, and there's just something really gratifying when you haven't been in a show for a while and you go back to that green room and you barely know any of the actors and you're jumping into, you know, um, No Rest for the Wicked Funny yeah. or you're jumping into Vanity Project or, or some random ass corporate show that you're going to do again, yeah, yeah. right? And you look around, you don't know anybody and everybody goes, oh, no, no, no. and then they go, ah, soup. And everyone's like, I know that. Yeah. It, it, it is something very nice to, yeah. to have. And it's, it's also interesting on the other end of it in New York. Right, they do it in New York too. Yeah. Um, and it was fun to see the newer people that have never been a part of improv time like that be like, "What are we doing? Yeah. Why do we say this? Why do we do this? Hey, now you're part of that. So that that's where that comes from. And I feel like that that specific part of the tradition of nobody ever explains it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like this, I think is just more I'm G Wiz. Like where did this come from? Right. But nobody ever explains to the new people before you do ass soup what it is or why you do it. Everyone just does it, and there's always that one person who goes, what What was that? Yeah. What, what are we doing? Yeah. And then it goes, oh, it's, it's what we do. And then it's almost like you're in. Yeah. We, we, we don't have to babysit you. You're part of the group. This is what the group does. Okay, we're just doing it. Well, it's what we were talking about earlier, too, right? Like creative triggers. Yeah. You know, whereas it's yet another creative trigger that says we're locking our minds into the work we're going to do, yep. right? And yep. so in the green room, you know, you can feel it, right? For me, it, it, it starts when you get five. Yep. Hey, five. Thank you, five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the process is starting to roll. Yeah. You're at two. Thank you, two. Yep. Everybody's moving around. The person who always goes to poop right at two <laughs> that everybody hates goes, right? Yep. Yep. You know, nobody likes the person that has to poop at two. Yeah. Poop at five in the latest. <laughs> What are you waiting to do, right? Uh, but but those are the things that start to lock you in. Yes. And then you go to ass soup, and it's 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 taking steps into your conscious or your subconscious to get you locked into do the work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that's why I like this stuff. So yeah, that's where that comes from. That's cool. What else? What else? Uh, well, I had a, I had a question uh, that I've I've gotten a lot uh, working at the box office. I answer the phones a lot, and people ask for all the time about corporate shows and private shows and all that. And they always ask, how much is it? And I never know what to say to that. So, and I get, if, if this is a question that you don't want to answer financially. Uh, all right, I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, where, where does the price point, where do those come from for corporate shows and what level of... Well, yeah, so when, when you talk about pricing anything, yeah. right? You, you're, you're pricing for, for perceived value, mm -hmm. right? You know, 
be it a corporate show, be it the shows that we do in the theater, uh, be it, let, let's say, for example, like corporate training or the speaking that I do. I can give my, my talk, right, for zero dollars, 500, 5,000, or $50,000. Yeah. I've done it at all those ranges. Yeah. So, what makes it different at 5,000 or 50,000 or 500, right? Uh, mm. and, and how do you, how do you get there? Well, it's the value of what you're giving back, right? That that's what you're selling, right? You can get a corporate improv show from many, many people, mm-hmm. right? We price ours according to what we think we give, which is absolute top notch value mm-hmm. where you're going to love the show every time and you're not gonna have to worry about it. Yeah. We also send our best performers, mm-hmm. right? We, we don't, do it like a lot of the other companies do it where they send their junior performers yeah as best as much as possible giving availability we send our most experienced performers so that's a different way of delivering value and so you're trying to establish you're not paying for the like you're not paying when when i'm on stage right you're not paying for the hour that i'm on stage Mm -hmm. you're paying for 20 years of my knowledge and ability Mm -hmm. that's what you're paying for and if you don't want to pay for that well, there are many other options, and you can get you can get anywhere from a year's experience to three to five to ten, and that that'll you know be commensurate with what the pay is. But that's what you're paying for, right? Because people say like, you get what for an hour? I'm like, no, 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 I don't get it for an hour. I get it for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah I never. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the same with the corporate shows, right? You're not paying for that corporate show. You're paying for twenty years of trial and error to get a show that is going to almost guaranteed work yeah so that's what you're paying for mm-hmm. now whereas and we've had a lot of you know in the last in the over 20 years we've had a lot of stinkers man absolute bombs but nowadays those are so so far in between mm-hmm. yeah because we've perfected it so that's what you're paying for when you pay more for us and we are we're, we're more expensive than you know damn near everybody uh you know i can count on probably one finger to two <laughs> fingers that were not more expensive. <laughs> no. So, uh, so that's kind of where it comes from. All right. Yeah. No, I, I, I always just say like, I, I always forward them to, to Helen or Brian or like, well, that's what I want you to do. Well, yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. what I still I, do. That, but just, yeah. do. Man, we're damn near expensive <laughs> than everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you can't afford us <laughs> and you're paying for 20 years. Uh, I, no, I'll, of course I'll still do that. I was curious about, more but 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 it, but it's but it's that same thing, right? It's a st- it's, it's establishing value and de- and then delivering, mm-hmm. right? So uh, if you look at if you look at our main stage show, right, we're we're I believe we're the second most expensive ticket in our genre in the world, wow. and that's by design, yeah. right? Um, because we're delivering the value on that. And, and so the goal and what I would always talk about, and I still do to this day, to cast, you know, because people can see them be like, Ooh, I don't know, 25, 27 bucks for an improv show. I'm like, oh, you're not getting an improv show. Yeah. You're getting a, a, a comedy review and experience. That, that improv's part of it. Yeah. You know, but you're getting an experience. And the goal is to have people come to that show on Saturday night and pay whatever it is they're paying, 27 bucks, 29 bucks, whatever it is, and have them leave the theater and go, oh, that was cheap. Yeah. Hmm. To have them walk out, like, let's let's not charge less yeah. and justify it. Let's charge more and justify yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that they can go, like, I'd pay more. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I, you know. And, and you got to find the sweet spot mm-hmm. because it, it, it's it's everything else. But, but we do that on purpose. And there's also psychology of the pricing. There's an expectation. If you're charging five to seven bucks, they're going to expect – they don't expect that it's very good. Right. That's actually going to turn off a lot of buyers before they ever come to your theater. Yeah. Right? They are. They're going to be like, oh, seven bucks. How good can that be? Yeah. Oh, Blue Man Group? I'll pay a hundred bucks. We'll go over there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, so that that's a lot of where that comes from. It's you're pricing it and, and you're not hiding behind it either. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would always say, you know, like, hey, this is what we get. There are other organizations right here in the greater Boston area that you can go to as well probably charge less mm-hmm. and and then i also say this and if you and if you get a show from them they're gonna do a good job you're going to like it yeah and and it's you can when i used to do these sales when i was first doing it and i, I always remember because like the person on the other line would be so confused they'd be like so you're saying that your competition 
is less and that if we book them, we'll like it. I'm like, well, yeah, they're good and you'll enjoy it. I can't speak to them. Yeah. What I can speak to is, and I lay it out. This is who we are. This is how we do it. This is what we do. This is it. We're here. We're responsive. You can call us day or night. It, it, all those kind of things. Yeah. And then there's the other thing. I'm like, and you have the opportunity. Just go to either show. Yeah. If you're like, well, for the price, they're just as good. You go with them, or you might find, well, actually, I like this show better. I like that show better. But, yeah. but, but you really do want to create value. And and then, what's your business model, right? We're 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 for profit. Our performers are paid. Yeah. Our staff is paid. Everything is paid. You're receiving live entertainment. I, I don't know where people think shit comes from. I mean, you got to yeah. charge. Yeah. You got to pay for tech and piano, which yeah. which I feel like is is now a thing that, that I kind of want to transition into as well, is at what point do you do you not allow yourself to go backwards in terms of, like, I'm so used to tech and piano now. When somebody's like, hey, let's do a show, and, and I kind of ask them, like, all right, hey, what do we got for, like, music oh, or yeah. tech? And they're like, oh, it's not going to be there. And it's so it, different. It, it turns me off to it sure. because I'm like, A, I'm used to it, I'm comfortable to it, but also it's like... It isn't just improv. It's now a sh- we we do a show, and even if it's all improv, to have those two elements, I'm I'm like it's so important for for how we do it. It's very it, when you when you especially at a place like you know the asylum. If you work here for a long time, it's crazy how it you know I don't want to say it becomes a crutch because it's not a crutch, but like it's a blanket. Oh like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like you know you're like all right, do you really need a musician? And then you do go do a show without a musician, you're like. <laughs> It's like listening in in your mind. It's like listening to a movie without the soundtrack. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the audience may not necessarily no, know it. No, yeah. Damned it that that you know, and you do have to push through it. Yeah. And what's very interesting is, and so like in New York, that's not the case. I mean, most of those shows do not have a musician. Yeah. Musical shows have a musician. Yes. But, you know, and it's very interesting because you have audiences coming down both from the community but also outside and immediately like huh it's different it's different and it fleshes it out it's feeling we know psychologically from it that's why they have soundtracks in movies yeah like do you pay for the soundtrack in the movie no do you want to see a movie without the soundtrack you don't well i get i guess you are paying for the soundtrack in the movie in the associative cost in the associative cost but but not separately yeah yeah right and so a lot of it right it is well, if it works there, might it work for us? When you guys started, did you have a piano? Yeah. Oh, you, okay. So right off the bat, you were like, we know that this is a, a linchpin of, of how this Yeah, we were, yeah. I mean, but, you know, by and large, we were just copying Second City. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so we're like, they have a piano, we have a piano. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what it is, but. was And was that for all shows? Because now it seems like it's across the board. All shows have tech and piano. Now we provide it for pretty much all shows but no i mean and even to, to this day there will still be shows like great you want to do a two-person show i'm not i'm not paying for your your pianist yeah yeah um you got to figure that out if yeah. you find that it's really important you do it or learn to do the show without it right yeah um but no i think we we just see the value of it and and it as it enhances gotcha you know it's it's, it's a short-term it's a short layout, right? Like when you guys first started doing house teams, the first iteration, or when, when it wasn't just the main stage show and you started to add shows, was it like, okay, we don't have a, p- a piano for that? Or is it like, no, no, we, this is now, now a staple? I think that by then that was pretty much a staple because gotcha. we really understand the value it gives to the audience, yes. which then makes the show and, and it easier for the performer. Because again, you have to look at it as what's your end goal here as a business? Yeah. Your end goal is to have the consumer, the audience, enjoy it true and want to come back so within reason within your budget you should be doing everything that you can to set it up mm-hmm. so that by the time they're seeing us or you or whomever improvise we've done everything in our possible to tell you that this is going to be good yeah. yeah and 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 that we're buying you 10 or 15 minutes of goodwill yeah you know and then they're like wow after 50 minutes this sucks but but it should never be in the first scene right yeah, yeah. and and that and that's why it, it it we talk about it a lot more in our resident cast but it's really everything 
is if your experience on the website has been good or your experience when you call the box office, oh, that's great, that's really nice. And boom, then you come down and it looks a certain way and there's things and like, oh, this is great. Oh, it's kind of cool. Oh, it's a good bar. They have drinks. They have like, but you get into the theater. Oh, this is nice. It's pretty clean. This is, you know, pretty good. It's still a basement. It's still, gro- you know, kind of groovy, but yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's still clean. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you sit down and boom, the lights and this and that and the ushers are all there and everyone's being great and nice and you feel good and you make the announcement and the lights come up and two people come out and they're in suits. Mm. everything was just psychologically to tell you like this is an awesome show yeah to yeah. which people go like i guess this is a good show i paid money for this this must be a good show yeah yeah and and that's what you're trying to do with that the, the psychology of that but that that costs money you know? it's very cool yeah and speaking of like tech stuff too it's like that's when i notice it on like road gigs the mm-hmm. most because we bring a piano but usually we don't bring a tech right and so how the, do you call scenes we we literally say scene Oh. A lot of times we'll say scene or, and, and that I think probably through trial and error almost became its own bit in a way. Well, that be, that became its own bit out, out of what, what we found was best practice. Yeah. Be, because what we were finding is a couple things, right? People wanted to buy the show, but then when you said, oh, and you have to have, you have to rent our, you know, anywhere from 500 to to $1,000 light road, light rig. Yeah. You just added another thousand dollars to their budget. Yeah, and so either you would lose clients, mm-hmm. or you'd have to tamp down your take-home price, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so then there's the there's the butterfly effect, or as the added cost. Well, that that means that if you have to have lights and set, you have to have a vehicle to bring the lights and yeah, set. Yeah. If you have the vehicle of lights and set up, they have to get there early because typically speaking, you're in the you're in the venue. They're in the venue you're going to perform. So. Their dinner starts at six. You're going on at eight. You don't get to set up between six and eight. You got to be there at four. Yeah. So therefore, now, understandably so, you've got to pay the te- technician all that hour. It becomes harder to get a technician that can that can carve out that amount amount of time to be there. Yeah. To the end game of again, does the audience really give a shit of a vague slow lights going out <laughs> yeah. when the rest of the ballroom is still lit? Yeah. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, and, and and so what we found was the audience was just as happy to hear us go, scene. Yeah, and especially when we then de- and and you, through trial and error, right? But you you develop that pattern, yeah. right? And the pattern is okay. This is what's going to happen here. An improvisational comedy. Uh, typically speaking, we have lights and blackout, and that's when everybody knows to laugh. We don't have that here, so we're going to practice that just so you know exactly how it go- <laughs> goes on. Yeah. So that when we say scene, you're going to laugh and applaud, whether it was funny or not. And yeah. Ha ha! Everybody laughs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let's try that scene. Everybody goes, yeah, 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 great. You guys got it. Do that every time. Yeah, that yeah. just saved the client and or us one to two thousand dollars. Yeah, and and it didn't impact the delivery of the product. Yeah. So that's where that, that came from. And I feel like it's like just the easy, like, when I say this, you say that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, when we say this, you clap your hands. And then they're like, okay, we know what we, the audience like, we know what we got to do now. Okay, yeah. thank you. Right. And everybody wants to know what to do. Yeah. Everybody, everybody follows, right? Yeah. Whereas we could have easily had that same sentiment of also cutting the musician, right? Because, uh, because the audience kind of doesn't care and, mm-hmm. and they'll still enjoy whatever show we give them. Yeah. But we didn't cut the musician, or we try to almost never cut the musician, yeah. uh, because that helps the performers. Oh yeah, and it's much more for the performers than it is for the audience. It just makes the performers perform better, which in turn yeah. benefits the audience. Yeah. So yeah, but it's it, it it all goes together, and and that's also why like you know it's the same thing of the strategy of paying the actors. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and you. you Specific really to New York. I mean, that's just been practiced here forever. Yeah. Um, but in New York, it's kind of mind-blowing on, on a lot of levels, right? People are like, what? You're paying? I mean, I literally have people saying, well, it can't be done. Yeah. I've, I've had people from the New York Times tell me. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, no, that won't work because I know X who runs theater X. And they say that. And I'm like, okay, well, before you tell me it can't be done, maybe why don't you ask a better question might be, how can I do it in Boston? Yeah. And the reporter's like, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. How do you do in Boston? Okay, well, then let's talk about it, yeah. right? And and there's a lot of different ways to, to do it, but but the stra- one of the main strategies of why you want to do it, and it doesn't matter if you're for-profit or you're non-profit, that, that, it has no bearing. Yeah. That is a tax designation and a corporate governance 
designation. That's all that is. Yeah. That is not who does things good or for good and who does things for evil. <laughs> that is not how it works. Because we know I strictly for, for evil. evil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just for evil. Um, but you can be for evil and also have nonprofit tax loopholes too. So, I mean, there, there's really two ways to do it. Um, to be evil. Uh, but, but part of it is, or a large part of it is for me, is it holds everybody accountable mm-hmm. and it sets expectations, yeah. right? Which in turn makes it easier, right? Because, because if, if, if I'm a director, right, and I'm directing a show and I say rehearsals from three to six in the afternoon, mm-hmm. right, uh, to do shows, and you don't get paid to do the shows and you don't get paid for your rehearsal time, right? Initially, you'll start off being like, well, it's my opportunity. I, you know, I get to work with Theater X and Prophesyum or whomever. Yeah. And I'll be there at three. But invariably, at least some of you, and I know we can all say that we are our best selves. And once I commit to something, I am there and it's not about money or anything yeah. else. But I promise you, a good majority at some point, including myself, will be like, holy shit, man, I can't make it for three. Yeah. I'm running. I get this thing and I get paid for this anyways. And I've been doing this for 12 months yeah. or 18 months or 24 months, you know, whatever. I'm 15, I'm 20 minutes late. And then you're 15 and 20 minutes late consistently. What do I have to really lord over you? Not yeah. much. Yeah. And then other people yeah. start to see that, well, you're 15 and 20 minutes late. That doesn't matter. Yeah. So then they're 15 or 20 minutes late. So then we don't get rehearsal started until 3.30, quarter or four. Yeah. And then everybody starts to kind of get, well, this sucks. This is annoying. This is wasting all of our time. What am I doing here? Yeah. Whereas when you put, when everybody agrees to a financial value, and it doesn't need to be big. Yeah, it could be ten bucks. Yeah, changes everybody's psychology. Yeah, and now we don't have to have these conversations. It's you were paid to be here at three. Yeah, and there's it. That's a short. That that's an easy way to solve my solutions. Which for ten bucks yeah. or across six or eight or and I say ten, but it could be you know depending on whatever the theater's budget yeah, is. Yeah. But now it's, it's just easier because now you know what you're supposed to be here. And when you're not there, I can turn around and say, you're paid to be here. Yeah. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. But other people will do it. And it makes it all easier and holds us all accountable. And I think it, it even lets the individual hold themselves more accountable. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And I think there's just an element of like, do you know, do you want a, do you want a full-time, uh, you know, do you want a full-time sub maker who does improv for you that is that you're charging at this high price and then it's like well they're a part-time improviser so hopefully it's good or do you want a full-time improviser for the most part who uses make subs to make ends meet sure. but it's not they're a sub artisan you know what, you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> I, I, I do and, and and while that that is a good analogy i don't know if that's a good analogy <laughs> to be honest with you but it is an analogy yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. uh for this theater yeah that may not hold true for for a for not a place like this that does such volume and creates revenue and stuff like that. What I would argue though is what is it for your organization? Is it five or 10 bucks? Yeah. You know what I mean? What what, what is it? What what is it? And it's not about the money, but what it is is it locks everybody in and it solves a psychological problem for almost all of us. True. Um, Because look, most of the places you are going to be a full-time sub maker. Yeah. Right. You know, if you're only doing a show once or twice a month, yeah, but still, how do you do it? And I and I really encourage anybody in the creative industries. Doesn't matter your you know your your setup. Figure out a way to compensate the artists you're working with, mm-hmm. and it'll change it'll change the whole efficiency of the process. It yeah. really will. Even if it's even if it's token, even if it's five bucks where you can go have a beer afterwards, yeah, yeah. or you can pay for the Uber home. Mm-hmm. But it changes everything, and that—that's a big reason why we do it. Um, I have another question. Unless you have one, Ari. I have one more, but you go. No, you. No, 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 no. Okay, I'll go. Um, you you had mentioned this before. Um, so with the with the corporate training, right? That's kind of like what what Improv Asylum has found as maybe that that is a big part of the of the business model. Yep. Um. And that how that kind of subsidizes the other shows and, and stuff like that, right? Each thing is helping the other thing. The more people who see shows, the more people will want to buy corporate training. The more corporate trainings we sell, the better. The, you know, all it's a that virtuous stuff. cycle. Exactly. Um, what? So when when you talk about like a Thursday show, like what is the goal 
for a new show that's up and coming, like like a lit night, like a like a, any of these shows that people are pitching, what should the the goal be besides saying sell out the theater? Like, you know, is fifty people in the theater good? Is a hundred? Oh, now we're really starting to get to that nut or whatever. Yeah, you know, I don't think the goal is ever to sell out the theater. I, I don't think we ever say that that's the goal. Uh, yeah. No, but, I, I'm not saying, yeah. you, you know, but my, my point is, that's not the goal. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great um, thing that may happen. Yes. But that's not the goal. Um, so there's two ends of it, right? Mm-hmm. There's the artistic end of it and there's the business end of it. Yeah. Right? So first and foremost, what I try to focus on is do a really good show. Yes. If you do a really good and funny show, committed, mm-hmm. professional, not half-assed, yeah. not insider bullshit, yeah. not playing to other improvisers, other comedians, other like, I'm doing it bad to show that isn't it funny that I'm doing it bad. Yeah. I hate that bullshit. Yeah. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Right? So so my first thing is do a really good show at, at those time slots, those Thursday night time slots. That's reason enough. Yep. That's reason enough. If it's a really good show, that's reason enough to be there because it doesn't have to make money. Yeah. Right? That's not what the Thursday night 10 o'clock shows are there for. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so if you've got a really good show, the rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay? If you then look into, well, how do you take a really good show and make it maybe a business or, mm-hmm. or, or a you know a, a profitable part of, of the running order of, of all the shows... Uh, I've never really, we've never really sat down, and we probably should, but we've never really sat down like real super, you know, you know, fine tooth comb, say, this is the cost. Yeah. Um, we've just never done it. And that, that probably is something we should do. I just, I just think now if, if that number or spot on the wall is given out to everybody, then it's kind of like, okay, I got this show and this show and somebody else has that show and other somebody, you know. Everyone's got their own little side project, side shows. Well, if if we know, oh, by doing Facebook marketing, this person did Facebook marketing and they got 100 people in. Ooh, maybe I'll try that. Ooh, that didn't work for our show, but our Instagram, or whatever. I feel like if you've got a bunch of different people iterating and trying, then A, those ex- little experiments help the theater as a whole to be like, we should be doing this more. But I think the issue is we don't have... We don't have that number metric or goal that it's like, how do we know Lit Night's ready for the quote-unquote next level? Also, what is the next level? Well, I think I think that's it, right? You're asking a lot of that existential question, yeah. which is what is the next level? Yeah. What, what does that even mean, yeah. right? Um, you, so I, I go back and forth on it because if we, if we overly at those slots if mm-hmm. we overly look at the business aspect of it yeah it it it, it has the, it has the ability to unintentionally squash a bunch of stuff true right because the shit at those time slots are going to take forever to make money yeah right uh and, and so i really like people to say if you think you've got a great show and you think it's worth telling everybody about coming to see it do that yeah and i find that it tends to be Mm self-selecting right you know because you 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 only have so much bandwidth and money and monetary like everyone's like market my show i'm like your show is once a month this show the main stage show that creates a million dollars or whatever it is i got to put my marketing money towards the thing that makes the money right so 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 a lot of what i i notice is when somebody really likes and believes in their show they market it yeah when somebody is happy to do their show, but they're not like super committed to their show, they don't market it. Yeah. And it it's a self-selecting thing, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, it was fun to do mine and Ari's two-person long-form <laughs> show in an elevator. And yeah. it was really great. Yeah. It's called what, guess... what Floor, Please, right? You know, <laughs> really great. But, but... Neither of us loved it. We didn't. Yeah. We it was didn't, fun, but it wasn't. But we didn't feel like we constantly wanted to tell everybody to come see it. Yeah. You know, so I, I think there is a. You can only spend so much time in an elevator. Yeah, it's it's hard to find those kind of things. Um, and so there is a self selection to it. Um, when you look at something like Lit Night, for example, w- which is an example, and, and you look at our midnight shows, those are examples as well. Yeah. Of a really good show that has a group of people that want to do it and want to make it good and want to tell the world you're seeing that yeah 
And, and, and I look at it as how do you get people to feel that passionately about the project that they're working on as opposed to what's the number? Because the number is basically you, you'll, you got to break even at that place. You know, I'm, I'm real yeah. just going by feel for doing it for as long as I've done it. On those kind of shows, you're probably talking about 35, 40 people. And is that that includes kind of like the bar, like they're staying over from the show, so there's the bar, or are you talking specifically t- they bought tickets? I would say they bought tickets 30. Gotcha. Uh, you know, if if you're including stay over, about 40, 45. Because they're only buying, they're typically only buying one more drink at best. Yeah. If you stay over. I, I think I think the issue that, that's something like, you know, I keep bringing it back to Lit Night just because that's on the forefront sure. of my mind, but also one of the Thursday night shows that's been around a while. And, and does very well. Yeah. And so now it's like, you hear things like I in New York and you're like, okay, well, how do we get this thing to reach critical mass? So it's a no brainer to be like, we got to do a night in New York. We got to do a night at, at Laugh. We got to do a night at the Oberon or whatever it is to make it a big thing. Or we got to get it filmed to get this out. Like, I'm just trying to figure out from the business side, how do we push this? And then also add in that element of when you put, when you give people money, they, they put a better product. They got skin in the game. I'm trying to like, how do we take this from, this is just me and my friends doing this goofy show to, no, this is now its sure. own machine. Yeah, well, I think you're close. I, yeah. I think I think that show is very close. Be- yeah. Because what, what you're also looking for from a producer standpoint is is uh, consistency. Yeah. Right? You get false... Anybody can anybody can deliver... Any decent person can deliver a false positive on a show. Yes. Right? First time you do it... Yeah. Friends, family, everybody comes. It's great. It's awesome. Every it's grad show. Yeah. Every, every grad show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the grad shows are a perfect example. Yeah. And I think we may have talked about this before, but perfect example, right? Yeah. Do a grad show. Things sold out. 200 people. Standing ovation. Yeah. All that stuff. They're not standing for the show they just saw. They're standing for the six levels they just went through. Yeah. It's probably going to be the top high for the majority of those performers ever in their career. Yeah. Because most of them don't go on to anything much more than that, right? Mm-hmm. But when they do, they don't go on to sold out 200 seat theater that stands up, yeah. right? And and in the beginning, in the early days, when we did that, you would do a show and then you would get extended for like a six week run. Oh, wow. Be like, great job. We are extending you on Mondays or whenever the fuck the shows were yeah. for six Mondays. The grad show? Yeah. Wow. The grad show, right? Sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now let me tell you the reality, <laughs> right? Sounds great. Yeah. But you do that 200-person show, and they love it. And next Monday, um, there's 20 people there. Yeah. And you know what they don't give a shit about? The performers. Is your grad show. Yeah. They're looking at this going, is this any good? Is this funny? And invariably, the quality was not good. Yeah. How could it be? Yeah. They they didn't they weren't they didn't know how to do it. They didn't you know to be in front of twenty people. And 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 the reality is we can sit there and say like well we can say till we're blue in the face. Well it's a, it's students it's students it's students. Nobody in the audience cares. All they're gonna do is they're gonna leave Improv Asylum on that Monday night or whenever it was. And they're gonna go oh god Improv Asylum I went there they suck. Yeah. They're they they're not making a distinction. They don't make a distinction. That's why quite frankly if you. You could argue that one of the most amazing shows that you can see down there are our house teams, mm-hmm. because those are students yeah. by and large, not everybody, yeah. but but students or alumni and stuff like that. And we have such confidence in that show that we sell it, yeah. and we give no particular disclaimers, and people walk out going, "That's a really good show," because yeah. they're also not making in their connection. But yeah, and then by the end, you, you when you did the grad show extension, you started up here, and by week six. It was the sorriest, most oh, sad no. experience where everybody didn't like each other oh, and the no. shows weren't working. Yeah. And so we're like, no, we want them going out on this great high. Yeah. And then if you, third grade trick, want to stay together and, and find, go to Dick Doherty's Comedy Vault and lock up once or twice a, a month on Sunday nights there, yeah. then you do that. Yeah. But, you know, we want you going on a high. Gotcha. Um, so, so, so there is the consistency factor, and I think if you look at at Lit Night, you're. And we always talk about this, right? It never happens fast enough for the people. No, no. But for me, I'm, I'm always like, 
yeah, congratulations, you've done three months yeah. of three shows. Yeah. As the children say, slow your roll. Right? <laughs> you know, you, let's, yeah. let's let's see. Do yeah. they like it enough? Do yeah. they want to keep coming? Yeah. Um, I think there are people who like go to each lit night. And now you look at well, lit. Yeah. Now, now because it's. I think we just did nine. We're going on ten. But that's my point. You yeah. need the sample size. Yeah. You, you yeah. need a longer sample size to say, okay, they've done nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. They've done a year. Yeah. Right. And a year is only twelve shows. We we get the twelve shows on the main stage. In two weeks. Yeah. Right? You know, so you have to understand the, the, the perspective of all this. Yes, and, yes. And then, But now you have a large enough sample size to say, yeah, you know what? They are consistently 50, 60, 70, 80. Sometimes they're 30. Yeah, sometimes they're 90, 100. Yeah. They seem to get some people that want to come to every show. Yeah. Ah, all right. Well, what what could we do now? You know, could we bring that to New York? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. You know, could you start to look to book this show out? The, the the trick there though becomes from a business standpoint you have only so much bandwidth yeah so as always if, if I say I'm going to put my emph- if I'm going to try to book out lit night yeah that means it's taken from somewhere else true right and so you always have to you know balance that but that I think is, is the, the exciting part of having New York absolutely we'd love to do that in New York yeah, you know, and that could be the next steps, and that could be why couldn't it be in rotation once a month in New York? I think that's the as somebody who who is a unique uh, participant in that show because I'm not part of the planning per se, but I'm its biggest champion and cheerleader. I think people look to me to go, okay, well, why am I doing this for free, and then why do I keep doing it, and why do we keep doing good work? Right. And, it, and you know what I mean? I think there's this element of like, well, the audiences, but then at what point do you do you do you then go, okay, we gotta we gotta change things. We gotta Well yeah. well and and I would go back to this as a producer, right? Yeah. You also have to look at the the, the raw economics will also dictate things. Yeah. That show, how many people are involved in that show? Oof. Well now I guess now we've kind of pared it down, but you'd say with the writers room with I don't know. Like 15 maybe 20 okay right so so therefore you're creating a show that's almost unfundable yeah yeah right you are and yeah. and I'm, I'm not it, it's not a question of does a performer or a talent deserve to be paid yeah right sure yeah but but if you say that does a producer deserve to lose money to have those performers perform yeah or, or be part of yeah and so so you're creating a show that's practically unfinanceable mm-hmm under its current realm because yeah. if you want to have 15 people paid yeah well, what do you want to pay them now now i would say this maybe you could say hey they would all be happy with 10 bucks yeah that may be true or that may do the opposite and say 10 bucks yeah i don't mind doing this for free because i love it 10 bucks yeah right i'm worth i i just heard somebody say this uh Seth Godin, he's a uh, huge marketing guru yeah. or, or something or whatever. And they're talking about like, a lot of stuff we talk about what we do, like consultant speaking and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And they were talking about what we, we were talking about earlier, about setting a fee, right? And, and it might have been him or it might have been Tim Ferriss. Maybe it was Tim Ferriss, but it was those two talking. And, uh, and one of them was like, they got to the point in their career. Where you had, if you wanted to book them, you had, I keep looking at my phone because I have a four o'clock training I cannot miss. Oh, no worries. like, I'm paid to do this. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but they, uh, they they had a, a point where, where they say, I'm at the point where if you want me to speak at your convention or yeah. whatever it is, these are the only two types of gigs I will take. Full price or free. I will only do it for full price or free. Yeah. If it's a cause that I'm willing to get behind, and they asked me to do it, and I think it's good. I'll do it for free. Everybody else, you got to pay me full price. Not half price, not exposure, not, well, but we'll pay for your hotel and trip, you know, to, you know, this place in New Hampshire. Yeah. But we don't have any money to pay you. And I was like, it's either full price or nothing. Yeah. Right? And I kind of like that. And I think I think it makes a lot of sense to me. So when you look at, you know, Lit Night, there's so many people... To then, if, if let's say you said everybody should be paid 30 bucks a show. Yeah. All right. But now the audience that you're bringing in 
doesn't look so good. And I don't even mean it necessarily. I think that's the end goal, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, let's say this became a uh, an Amazon show. You know what I mean? A right. Netflix show. Okay, then everyone's getting paid. That's great, right? It's more that interim of like, all right, if we're going to keep doing this good work at free, how do we then get, uh, you know, some of the money from the from the ticket sales or the bar to put back into the show to grow? You, you get what I'm saying? It's like, I think those are some of the conversations. I do. Yeah. But again, that means that I'm investing in this thing yeah. to grow that if we're just talking a business standpoint, what's the return? Because that same business from the, the the reason that the money's being made at the bar is what's keeping the theater lights open. Exactly. So if I start taking money from the bar to put into your show that goes once a month, yeah, my accountants are going to be say, hey, that money from the bar on Thursday night needs to go into the shows that are keeping the theater on yes. so that lit night can be there. Yes. Right. Right. You know what I mean? What I would suggest is. Because those are one-off shows, they're never going to be the focus of, of the organization, be it ours or something. We don't yeah. exist like that. We're, yeah. you know, we don't have 30 shows that run on their own, right? Yeah. What I would suggest, and you're doing it, right, is you keep creating the value. So you have far more of a vested interest of it getting bigger and going somewhere else than I do. Mm-hmm. I, meaning the company. Yeah. I mean, it's not that... There's not that big of a vested interest. Yeah. Like, the company will be fine True. Yeah. if you don't do it anymore. Yeah. You'll have a bigger loss than I will, probably, yeah. right? What I would suggest is, great, you think it can play at Oberon? Go to Oberon and pitch it. And then come back to me and say, Oberon said they would do this. Or the Wilbur said they would do this. So, like, I think a really good model, a show to look at that I love, and I think it's just a great independent show model to look at from a business standpoint, is the old school game show. That's literally the one that I just am always, I'm talking to Francesca, I'm like, you guys got the Wilbur? How'd you get the Wilbur? You know? Well, the reason they got the Wilbur is that they created such a following. Yeah. And then they could bring that following to the Wilbur. Yeah. Right? That's why. Yeah. You know, that's how they did it. They kept doing show after show. and so good, so good, so good. Yeah. Not paying people or very little money. I don't know how they split. I can't speak to that. But yeah. it strikes me that it's the same thing. Yeah. They got a shit ton of people. I see where they do the shows. I can do the math. Yeah, yeah. I know how much they're charging. I know how much, how many seats are in the Rockwell. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, you get it. But their goal wasn't to be paying people. I don't think their goal is to pay people nightly. The goal was to have enough people where 500 to 1,000 can see, can see them at the Wilbur when you say, come see us at the Wilbur, and now we can get a payday. Yes, yes. You know, and now we have something, and now you have that next thing, and yeah. you have that, or, or in New York, great, I can bring this show to New York, and now I have not only my chance to say I'm in New York, but now maybe some agents and managers will come down and check it out yeah or they'll say this is the writing team you know that that that's why you would do it because that, and that i think that's really what i'm when i talk about like compensation or pay like that's really what i'm getting at it's like what is that next level to get these people yeah you know some something to be like your hard work is now sure. paying off and then the other people were like oh i saw their hard work pay off how do i get a part of this right. makes the show better and i'd love to do it in new york but yeah. again now you're begging the question do all 15 people, do they all go down on the bus? Yeah. Do, are they all housed? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and, and this is a business yeah. for, from a for-profit side. Yeah. So if you, if you, you know, if you want to go through numbers with a fine tooth comb, yeah, you can't be selective about what you put in. And I'm not saying you are, but, no, yeah, right? yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but people oftentimes will be selective with their facts. Yeah. Well, look, the place is packed and uh, there are 80 people in there and they're drinking, they're paying. Why aren't we getting paid? Okay. Well, now let's back it all out. Yeah, I'm not I'm not factoring in the cost of my social media, and my marketing when they did some tweets. Yeah, I'm not really counting in what the cost of insurance. I'm not really counting in uh, the cost of the HR services. Yeah, I'm not, you know, yeah. you know, because theoretically you're taking, you know, if fifty shows are produced at Improv Asylum over the course of a month. Yeah, shouldn't one fiftieth of the entire cost be put to that? Yeah. probably not be, yeah. be, because you're not contributing but but that's when people say like go I'm like alright well you know an audience of 60 does not warrant seven hotel rooms in New York yeah no I, so so you've got to decide for yourself as the artist am I willing to do that yeah, right? and yeah. I and I don't 
I have no opinion on it either way. I don't begrudge the decision one way or the other. Yeah. Now, that never changes, right? If I want to do New York, I do. No one's asking me to do New York. Yeah. Nobody's clamoring for me to do New York. Nobody wanted me to do New York. Yeah. I would argue there are far more people who didn't want me to do New York. Yeah. So I had to say I'm investing in New York. Yes. I'm investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in New yeah, York. Yeah. So it it I think it becomes difficult, not difficult, but you also have to understand who you're talking to sometimes because yeah. you'll hear people say, I'm not gonna get on a bus and go get a hotel room in New York to do the show one night. When and you're saying that to me where I just invested a quarter of a million dollars? Yeah. I'm going to go, all right, go fuck yourself. You, you you then clearly aren't serious about what it is you're trying to do. Yes. Because I am. Yeah. And so, you you know, what do you think? Stuff just happens? And I'm not going to say you. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but people don't think of it like that. So get on a bus. You love your show and you think it's the best thing in the world. Get on a bus. Get a hotel room. I'll give you the theater and we'll do it. Yeah. If I think my company and my show is so great, I'll get on a train. I'll go find a theater and I'll do it. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. And with that, uh, with that, um, because that's probably something I'm missing. Uh, I got to get down for a corporate training. Uh, Ari, thank you. You're always welcome here. Uh, and uh, Joey, awesome questions. I love these conversations. Cool. I, I think they're super important. Uh, and I would love to do lit night in New York. So let's just make that happen. I got to go down and I got to do this training. Uh, let's be on the north. Thank you. Bye.